me, if you will, please, to John, the Gospel of John, and chapter 20, and uh, we begin reading from this one. John, chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb and the two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first and stooping and looking in he saw the linen wrappings lying there but he did not go in and so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the first cloth which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrappings but folded up in a place by itself so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead so the disciples went away again to where they were staying if you have been with us particularly in the morning service when we have been dealing with the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the last time that I was uh, considering that passage, uh, we made the point, and the point was that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, and uh, the leaders of the Jews, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, that they they bribed the soldiers who reported that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. So what we are reading here this evening is the story of Mary Magdalene, uh, who is obviously a disciple of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, that while it was still dark, we are told that uh, she went to the tomb and uh, to her utter surprise the stone had been removed from the tomb and uh, as far as she could she ascertained that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was not in the tomb and she obviously came to a conclusion that uh, the Jews had stolen the body away and they did not know 
or she did not know where they had placed it. So you can understand her concern. And so she hurried back into the city and went to meet with Simon Peter and with the Apostle John and conveyed to them with this bad news that she had now uh, come to ascertain that the body of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, was missing. After hearing this sad news, Peter and John began to rush back to the to the tomb, and it appears like uh, uh, this was such urgent a matter that they needed to address to that they could not just walk. They, in fact, were running, and it appears like John was uh, one of those, although perhaps was his in his middle life, he still could run, and we are told there that he outran the apostle Peter. He arrived first at the tomb and he looked in there and we're told that he could see the linen wrappings. Other versions would call them the, the grave clothes. He could see those, but he did not go in. He waited for Simon Peter. And Peter arrives and straight away he goes in into the tomb <coughs> and we are told there that uh, he also was able to see the linen wrappings. Now, what I wanted us to consider this evening is the end of the seven. The end of the seven. If you read from verse six, it says, and so Simon Peter also came following him, that is following the Apostle John, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, verse 7, and the first cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but folded up in a place by itself. Uh, I don't know if you've ever taken the time to read John's account of the resurrection and in particular that detail that we are given in verse 7. We are told about the linen wrappings or the grave clothes. Not much is mentioned about them but there is this curious point that uh, John gives us. Apart from those linen wrappings, there is this, he calls it the first cloth. It is not together with the linen wrappings. It is by itself and it has been folded like there was somebody there who was actually making sure that it is folded properly and put aside. And then 
As soon as that detail is mentioned, then we are told in verse 8 that the other disciple who had come first to the tomb then also entered his soul and believed. Now this is very interesting because when Simon Peter and John came to the grave, they came under the illusion, if you want to think, or under the idea that the body of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been stolen. And the thing that changed their minds, it appears, is that statement at the end of verse 7 that there was this face cloth. It wasn't carelessly tossed. It was not together with the linen wrappings. It was folded properly and nicely. Now, it appears that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he left one or two clues for his disciples. And this is one of them. Peter and John, as they looked at that, concluded, this is not a theft. This looks like what he actually has been telling us before he died. That on the third day, he was going to rise from the dead. Now, the thing that I, I want to emphasize this evening that the Bible is teaching us is that we are all creatures of habit especially those of us who are married. Uh, we know our wives and uh, our wives know us. They, they would know that I don't think he can do this. It's not the way he behaves. It's, it's because they have lived with us. They observe the way we do things. The first thing we do when we wake up in the morning and and just the way we carry ourselves, or the last thing that we do before we go to bed. They get to know. And sometimes they even will ask you, you know, what, what's happening? Today you haven't done this. It's because as creatures of habit, people, we get to know what they do. The first thing when they wake up, what they will do. And it appears that the disciples were aware of how, when the Lord Jesus Christ was alive with them, the way he was behaving. And, you know, they, they went many places with him, and they would observe him. They would see how he would do things. And it looks like 
it may have been, there is no evidence shown to us, but it looks like there was evidence of him folding his face cloth. That in such a way that when they entered that grave and saw that face cloth folded as it had been, that, that uh, it was like a, a red flag to them. That, you know, if people were stealing his body, they wouldn't care to fold some grave cloth and put it on his own side. It, it just doesn't look like a thief. Thieves don't care. Uh, or if they had been sent by the Jews. That is not something they would have bothered about. And John, the apostle, in recording his gospel, he is careful to include that detail that looks innocuous to us. It, it looks like nothing. But suddenly, it begins to dawn on them that, you know, he had said this, that he was going to die. Other the third day, he'll rise again from the dead. The scripture, though, does go to warn us. It says that uh, in this, in the eight there, so as they entered the, the tomb, he says he saw and believed. Now, what does he believe? He believed that Lord Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. And then, you know, there's that comment that John makes. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And that folded face cloth away from the linen wrappings was the beginning of his light coming into the minds and hearts of John and of Peter. Jesus, as he had said, has risen from the dead. But you notice here, we are told that as they, they left, the disciples went away again to where they were staying. They were not excited. They were not, as it were, going about to start beginning to tell people, he is risen from the dead. It is something, nonetheless, that they are now beginning to see. This is what he may have meant. He's going to rise from the dead. It's amazing how a simple act, cleanly folding a face cloth, can make a whole difference when Peter and John get into the tomb. If you will, please turn with me to John chapter 2 and verse 22. Perhaps we 
begin reading from verse 18. So we get the, the entire context. Now, this, this is when the Lord Jesus Christ chased the money changers from the temple. And in verse 18, we are told there that the Jews then said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? You see, they were always looking for a sign. And Jesus answered them, Destroy this sanctuary, and in three days I will raise it up. And then verse uh, 20, then the Jews said, it took 46 years to build this sanctuary, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the sanctuary of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Now, obviously, from this point on, they begin to receive further and further evidence of the resurrection of Christ. Finally, Christ himself actually appears to them. But what we are seeing here is really the beginning. The beginning that there has something supernatural happened. They go into the tomb of the Lord Jesus. They do not find his body. And they went there believing that he had been stolen. But what clues the Savior had left is what changed their minds that the Savior has in fact risen from the dead. Now, what does this teach us? Obviously, the death and resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the heart of the Christian faith. It is the heart of the Christian faith. But even here, before the disciples really understand what is going on, God is leading them step by step to appreciate what he has actually been doing. He has sent his son and his son has gone to the cross, and there is this aspect of him rising from the dead. All the disciples had struggled to understand what that meant. And yet, God in his goodness is leading them slowly but surely to see, as it were, and as I've already hinted at, Jesus has left some clues that John and Peter immediately recognize and they emerge from the tomb with changed minds that the body of their Savior has not been stolen. He has risen from the dead. It's amazing how those simple detail like a growth cloth 
make the whole world of a difference. Which is why we must pay attention to all the details in God's word. They are there not to fill space. They are there to teach us what God, in fact, is doing. Now, the last point I want to make this evening, which is what uh, I will pick up, God willing, next month when we begin to look at the study of Job. But uh, I'll give you a hint here. The death and resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is extremely crucial to us as Christians because it is the first clue that we have that God cares about us in this world of evil and suffering. Do you know, the biggest question that many people have, I am sure you are aware that if there is a good and loving God, why is there suffering? That's the big question, isn't it? And there are lots of people who have decided to become atheists because of that very question. They have come to the unfortunate conclusion there must not be a God. Because if there was a God who is loving, who is gracious, and who is all-powerful. Why is there suffering in this world? What the resurrection tells us is that God cares about us as human beings. He cares in so much that he became one of us. Not only did he become one of us, he actually suffered and died and rose again from the dead in order to help us, despite the suffering that in this world, that we can have hope because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, if you want to understand why this is important, look at the opposite. Let us suppose for a moment that there is no God. How does that help anyone to cope with suffering? in this world to believe or to make a stand that because of the so much suffering in this world there must not be a God how does that give help or hope to anyone in this world that is why the Christian message, the Christian gospel 
preaches to us a crucified, dying, and risen Savior. And it tells us, although we cannot understand all that is going on because of suffering, we can understand this. God has cared so much that he has become one of us, except without sin. And that he cared that even when it involved his own suffering, his own dying, dying a shameful death of the cross like a common criminal in the Roman Empire, he willingly gave himself over in death. And then on the third day, he rose again from the dead because he had defeated death. And so, there is hope for human beings despite the enormous suffering that human beings inflict on other human beings or despite the fact that there is natural calamities human beings die as it were without a reason that we could give as human beings why they died we can trust that our savior our God is one who cares and he has shown clearly that he cares because of the cross and most importantly not only the cross because of the resurrection from the dead. So I close with this point. It's amazing how our Savior, the Lord Jesus, cared for his disciples and he left them a clue. They came worried. They came bewildered in their minds because where is his body? And they left with hope because they could see clearly his body has not been stolen. The first cloth has been folded nicely, carefully. He must have been raised from the dead. He must have gone out of his place because he rose again from the dead. And that gives us the greatest hope we can ever have as sinners living in a mysterious world of suffering, we find our hope in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Let's close in prayer.